love of God is oh so wonderful the love of God is so What a cow, what a spirit of playing. Thank you. And ladies and gentlemen, we are happy to have you here with us on part three. The body without the spirit is dead. What is the spirit without the body? Uh, we're into some heavy teachings here. Uh, I'm going to ask you people uh, listening today <clears throat> and that will be listening uh, on you know other days uh, to bear with me in this teaching uh, I will be getting into some uh, numbers, uh, you know, getting into some numbers. And I know there are some people who find numbers difficult, but, you know, God will make it so that it will not be difficult for you if you just will hang in there and believe and uh, and, and want to know the truth. Remember, remember that even one of the of the Bible's books is named Numbers. And so there are many, many different uh, uh, revelations in the Bible about numbers. And today, uh, you you will see something I think quite interesting. And um, we're going to uh, we're going to just briefly go over just a few things of the last uh, uh, you know uh, uh, teachings. Uh, I, but I want to talk about how that that every person has a responsibility if they want to put themselves into the stream of accomplishments and of doing something in life, you know, to, to uh, develop a, a legacy. Uh, there's something beautiful about a, a, legacy, a legacy, and, and it, it belongs to people of vision and outreach. The question you could say to every individual is, where are you going with your life? What is it that you can lean on and depend on to drive you forward in life? What kind of desires, what kind of hopes and dreams are are, are in you that <clears throat> are more than just personal aspirations? So wisdom and knowledge on the spiritual level is something that can give everybody confidence above all questions and doubts. And I would hope that that would be your legacy, your legacy to to find the knowledge of God that will lead you to the love of God and the divine things that belong to the kingdom of peace. 
Well, we've been talking about all kinds of things. We talked about, you know, the the spirit as it relates to uh, physical things in the universe. We compared uh, various kinds of binding energies. Uh, we talked about how hydrogen and oxygen explosively combine to make water. And then we talked about the sum of rest masses. We talked about a comparative that we like to use spiritually called absolute space. I love that. I love that explanation and, and, and that energy of thought. And uh, we talked about uh, how that, at least mathematically, in the consigns of most scientists today, uh, mostly based on Einstein's uh, formulas, energy and mass are equivalent. Uh, we think in terms of energy and mass. We have to also think in terms of, of our body uh, being a mass of atoms and molecules. And, uh, you know, it, it, it has a form and it's it's our human body, uh, you know, and it's assigned to certain constants. It has potential for certain exponentials. Uh, <clears throat> in the atomic world, uh, in, in the natural processes, we have uh, changes taking place in the nuclei. Uh, uh, when nuclei gets to be very heavy, uh, they emit uh, alpha particles or they go into fissions. Uh, when that happens, the heavy nuclei begins to fall apart, and so it allows there in nature to be changes. Uh, I think those things are possible in the physical, spiritual world, that that, that uh, when people begin to get too much into the uh, abiding in the flesh of their body uh, and the uh, nuclei, so to speak, becomes uh, you know too heavy, that we've got to get into the alpha and the omega. So we get into that alpha who is, you know, God. Uh, we can we can begin to uh, uh, lose that heavy, uh, um, you know, uh, fascination of the flesh to the carnal world. <clears throat> that for sure is what the Holy Spirit is wanting to lead our spirit in, in our body temple. Okay, we talked about that, and that was interesting. And um, then we we really, you know, we were really into some things about the, um, when we were talking about this spirit without the body is dead, but we talked about, hey, here are some of the things that you can do with the spirit. Spirit to spirit revelation. And uh, we gave uh, various scriptures for that, um, <clears throat> which you can just get by going back into the, um, into the Bible, but we it was it talked about in Psalms one hundred four thirty. Uh, it talked about uh, spiriting creation. <clears throat> we talked about in First Corinthians two thirteen, uh, comparing spiritual things uh, with spiritual things, and uh, you know the possibility in Elisha's day for a double portion of Elijah, and uh, you know it's just uh, a lot of really. Uh, super interesting things that the Bible talks about. We talked about uh, being refreshed by the Spirit from other people. Uh, that's important that we can help one another. We can do the things, say the things, be the things that uh, help enable other people to be refreshed. Um, we talked about um, 
all kinds of other interesting things. We can't go over it all because I've got a subject here I want to definitely you know get into. But um, uh, we have to understand that that uh, <clears throat> when spirits uh, pass to the other side and they move out of these uh, bodies that they have been identified to, that uh, that is not the end of their life. Uh, they are still alive, and they're even actually much more alive than than when they were in the physical body. So, uh, excuse me. So, um, uh, when um, we look at that and we think about in First Peter three nineteen, when Jesus uh, went uh, unto the spirits in prison and he preached to them, and uh, uh, obviously and purposely with the idea of being able to set uh, some of these spirits free. And uh, Paul elaborated uh, in 1 Corinthians fifteen forty four through 46, said that the natural body is raised a spiritual body. Um, <clears throat> so uh, it's talking about, of course, shedding the, um, the natural body uh, and the spiritual body coming forth. Um, we... We covered so many subjects. We, I, I can't just totally co recover all of them, uh, but just to uh, slightly mention some of them. Uh, in Numbers sixteen twenty-two, uh, talked about our God. You know, the great I Am, who's the God of the spirits of of all flesh. Uh, this thing of the spirits and this revelation of the the body without the spirit is dead, and the and what is the spirit without the body? What is the spirit without the body? Just, that is really an, an important subject. It's very, very important. And uh, the God that we serve is the God of the spirits of all flesh. And and uh, Jesus said, you know, God is not the God of the dead. And we know that this body dies and it becomes dead. And God's not the God's not the God of that dead body. That returns to ashes. But God is the God, and it says it right here in number sixteen twenty two. He is the God of the spirits that have once lived in flesh bodies. And uh, <clears throat> there is so much more that can be that can be said, can be added to all those things. Uh, it is nothing but extremely, extremely interesting. Um, I mentioned earlier about that thing about absolute space, you know, a, a place that, uh, that uh, you can get uh, where you have a, uh, a shut-in with God. Sometimes uh, that thing of being shut in with God in an absolute space is where people make a move uh, into higher realms, into clearer kinds of spiritual thinking, into deep, deeper aspects of, of spiritual realizations beyond anything they have ever tasted of or, or um, experienced before. So I connect that to the absolute space revelation. Um, that actually is is worth a a whole subject. Okay, so then um, uh, <clears throat> we um, we talked about um, several other things. Uh, uh, I think I read to you in Corinthians First um, Corinthians fifteen forty five that Adam, first man with a soul, spirit soul was made a quickening spirit, small case, S-P-I-R-I-T, small case. So our spirits, we can expect our, like Adam's, 
it, it is a quickening spirit. It, it has capabilities uh, to do many, many things that has to do about life because it has a continuum by being a spirit. And it, it has an eternalness by being a spirit. And so it definitely has the ability to be a quickening spirit. We just have to know how to turn that on, how to turn it off, how to move in it, move with it. And, uh, you know, and we know, and we know that, um, uh, in uh, Matthew, um, or pardon me, Mark, um, Jesus was, um, uh, ministering and, and uh, he perceived in his spirit certain things about other persons. So our spirit, small case, not just always capital case, small case, our personal spirit is able to perceive things. And we've got to, we've got to develop that. Um, uh, you know, I know personally myself, you know, I, I, I have really come into that place that my spirit is very sensitive and, and is developed in many different ways. Um, and I want to see other people come into that same thing, uh, you know, because uh, <clears throat> when uh, Luke... Uh, two seventeen refers to to uh, the spirit of Elijah. It's talking about small case spirit, the spirit and power of Elijah, the 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 spirit of Elijah, and your spirit, my spirit. It has quickening ability, and it has power. Wow, interesting things. There's just no question about it. In fact, the Bible says, you know, uh, <clears throat> it is the spirit, small case, that quickeneth. It is the spirit that quickeneth. Wow. That is interesting. So we just got to, uh, we've got to keep into this thing. We've got to uh, not forget these teachings. You need to listen to them over and over again. Um, there's a few other things I'd like to reiterate. Uh, in uh, <clears throat> Ecclesiastes 11.5, it talks about the way of the spirit. We're talking the small spirit, S-P-I-R-I-T, small case. There is a way of the spirit, and, and, and people have not understood, have not learned the way of their own spirits. And the Bible talks in the old, one of the oldest books in the Bible, Book of Job. It says, it talks about there is a spirit in man. And uh, it, it goes on to emphasize, you know, the capabilities of that spirit because the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching out all kinds of truths. And uh, that's just uh, absolutely Bible. Uh, Ezekiel one twenty talks about wheresoever the spirit was to go, you know, this, the wheel went. And uh, there is a real cohesion there <laughs> between the cherubim and, and the ophanim spirit and, and uh, you know, the wheel-in-the-wheel wheel ministry having uh, different parallel uh, infolds and meanings. Uh, <clears throat> on the one side, uh, uh, appreciating the aspect of Gelgal, which is a physical wheel. On the other side, appreciating the aspect of Ophan, which is a, a spirit wheel, an entity, and, uh, you know, a person. And uh, and how that, uh, you know, the physical body can be considered a Gilgal, the inner spirit can be considered an Ophan, 
And so we have the Ofan spirit and we have the Gilgal physical body. And so you have a wheel in the middle of a wheel. And then that, that uh, fulfills the scripture that says that physical things on earth can be, can become symbols and shadows and types and patterns of things in heaven. So then we don't have to be too far from the truth by using that example of the wheel in the middle of the wheel, the spirit and the, and the, uh, Ophan and the, the, the physical body Gilgal, Gilgal, uh, being the wheel in the middle of the wheel to relate that to even, um, you know, uh, flying vehicles like Ziths, uh, you know, that some people call UFOs, uh, there being spirits inside, uh, the, the machine, the machine being a wheel, uh, that having a lot of, of definition to do with, with, um, how it is built and, and some factoring uh, consequences in there that, uh, help maintain equilibrium and, uh, <clears throat> disperse the, um, the gravity effect uh, upon the entities uh, so that you have have you know a parallel there uh, of the uh, type and the spirit of the Gilgal human body and the Ophan spirit of the man which is the human body so again those things are uh, deep they're interesting uh, they they draw a person <clears throat> We um, we talked about uh, rest mass and and uh, you know the uh, physical mass of a body uh, when it's regarded as being at rest and uh, the rest mass of a, bo a body uh, is its mass at zero velocity and we talked about that um, when our physical nature can be brought into a totally quiet place uh, you know to where uh, it is just there abiding as an instrument for the for the uh the spirit being uh you know the bible calls it the temple of the holy spirit uh but you have to remember in that temple then is also your spirit and uh so when we can get the flesh quieted uh and and at rest at zero a point uh, rest then the um the communication, the communion can happen between the Holy uh, Ghost, the Holy Spirit, and, uh, and, and your spirit. <clears throat> so, um, those, uh, those are exciting things. Uh, we talked about, um, you know, uh, in, in, uh, uh, certain physical expressions that happen, uh, in the, the uh, movement of, of of the mass of particles and the mass of residue and the mass of waves uh, in the universe, there are times at which, within those uh, particular kind of uh, of um, transitions, uh, there is uh, dilations that take place, and how interesting that is uh, to be natural in in uh, uh, the universe, and how that that is one of the things that happened when a a birth. Uh, takes place in a woman of a baby and and uh, nature you know and and the signs of nature and the evidence of uh, things of um, of weight and and uh, importance many times repeat themselves in many many different ways and things that uh, that happen are not just a constant constant of uh, antithesis uh, there are a lot of things that happen as virtual realities uh, that uh, are ready to carry God's people away in the spirit 
and and to uh, take them beyond the presumptuousness of things into uh, uh, you know uh, a place that is uh, a convergent reality and I, I just think that's part of that absolute space again <clears throat> okay now that gets us to um, the subject where we sort of broke off the, and never got to complete it about rest well how does rest tie into this thing uh, you know the body without the spirit is dead how does that all tie together well uh, it ties together you know in, in uh, some very very important ways uh, we talked about, you know, the walls of the house uh, that was made for the house of the Lord, uh, Exodus thirty-one seventeen, and and how that it was made to have special, uh, you know, um, poles or special beams that came up, so that the the uh, uh, the beams that the roof, uh, you know, rest upon, uh, they would not. Uh, rest upon the uh, the sidewall beams of the house, but they would rest upon the special beams that were made. Okay, hold on a minute here. Oh, my. Sneeze number two. <laughs> okay. Sorry, but bear with me. We have so much to cover. And, um, wow. It's interesting. It is interesting how God speaks, how God reveals, how God refreshes, how God's Spirit is with us from one good move to another. God is trying to uh, construct these seven pillars. As we get into this mind of the seven pillars it talks about in the Old Testament, we begin to move into an area um, we begin to move into an area that, um, you know, is more along the lines of how the house of the Lord was built, so that so that uh, the the weight of things does not fall upon the flesh of our physical building, uh, but there there are structures of principles and structures of uh, of revelation that have to do with, uh, you know, the divine uh, aura of God uh, that that is a fulfillment of. You know the Bible when it says that the the angels, uh, you know, uh, they camp around about the saints of God, so those become you know the pillar experiences. Okay, <clears throat> even in Deuteronomy twelve eight through nine, it talked about the people not yet coming to the rest. And in those days of uh, of scriptural uh, uh, teachings, uh, Moses was teaching the the rest being uh, the time when they would be able to come into Canaan, and uh, they'd be able to uh, to live in a land of milk and honey. Uh, they would be able to sit down with their neighbor under a fig tree, and there would be peace, and there wouldn't be any wars. Uh, there. Um, Instruments of wars would be beaten into plows. Uh, you know, the enemies would have been defeated by the power of God and the holy angels. But uh, they were never able to achieve that because there were so many of them that had fear. In fact, um, uh, out of um, all of the spies that were sent over to check out the land of Canaan, uh, only 
Caleb and Joshua were allowed to live uh, through the time uh, because they were the only two that really believed that Israel could defeat um, uh, the, the giants. But all the other people were just, they were just afraid. And uh, they, did, they did not want to attempt even to uh, war against them. Uh, of course, they were just obliterating from their mind the miracles of the Red Sea, all of the miracles that God had done to deliver them out of, out of Egypt. Uh, people are so fast to forget about those things. And, um, and so they, they did not throw that into, uh, you know, in, in, into the uh, configuration of facts. Uh, they just uh, were afraid, and, and the thing that went into uh, their minds was fear, and then they came back and polluted almost the whole congregation uh, of uh, Israel with fear. And just saying, you know, we look like we look like grasshoppers in their sight. These these are giants. We're just we look like nothing. <clears throat> you know, we can't go. They, they have huge cities. They're they're very strongly defended. And uh, so, God says, okay, because of this, <clears throat> you will never enter into the land of Canaan. All of you people that have that kind of a of, of an attitude, uh, you are going to to die here in in the wilderness and never cross over. And that is exactly what happened. And it was only the new people that were being born and Caleb and Joshua uh, of the old people that were able to carry out uh, that promise to enter into the land, uh, you know, of, of Canaan. So uh, it's, uh, it's spectacular, isn't it? Really spectacular. <clears throat> We have to throw everything into the equation. And what is happening today, and it amazes me, is uh, I bump into things that uh, are being uh, you know, taught out there on the, the world um, uh, sound lines of radio and TV. I am just absolutely amazed uh, how that, that people are teaching things uh, that they are expecting. Uh, uh, you know, uh, we're we're being told that there's going to be these three days of darkness that's going to come upon the earth, and it's, it's a, it's a lot of uh, ministers are teaching it's going to happen this month yet, and uh, it's the result of this comet that is uh, is coming close to the the sun, and um, and it's going to just cause all kinds of turmoil upon the earth and so forth. And the fact of the matter is, scientists have clearly shown, uh, astronomy-wise, that the closest that comet is going to come to the sun is about 22 million miles. And, uh, you know, there's just so many facts. Uh, I've had people, uh, people you know, uh, have asked and said, uh, well, how come, you know, it's not easier to see this, this planet if it's so close? And they say, well, you know, it's... it's uh, uh, it, it, it's the nature of of this particular uh, sort of uh, almost like a dead star, but uh, not quite. It's the nature of this huge uh, uh, planet that is giving off uh, iron uh, oxides, uh, uh, and uh, as many you know, many times the size of even Saturn. Um, that why we can't see it, uh, but they don't 
put into effect that regardless of whether you can see this planet or not, uh, it would have gravity. And you can, you, you can only get so close to this solar system, uh, you know, and, uh, to the sun of the solar system without uh, gonna, there's going to be some terrific uh, effect and collision that's going to happen. And, and uh, <clears throat> they just don't factor those things in. Uh, and th that's like what they did in the days of Moses. They, they couldn't come into the rest because they didn't factor everything in. They didn't factor in how they got across the Red Sea by a miracle, how that rocks opened up and streams of water came out of them by a miracle, uh, how that God delivered them in so many, many different ways by miracles. They didn't factor those in. <clears throat> they just factored in what they saw and what they feared. And, uh, and uh, that that turned out being their disaster. That turned out uh, keeping them from crossing over the Jordan, from going into the promised land to entering into the land of rest. And there are thousands and millions of Christians today who need to enter into the rest. They are weary. They are tired. Uh, you know, they, they are confused. And, and uh, they have been, um, uh, you know, strummed around from one point of... of uh, uh, theory to another point of theory, all under the name of religiosity and and uh, supposedly approved by the word of the Bible, and uh, <clears throat> they are not in the rest of the Lord. They're they're in fear, and uh, they're intimidated by that fear. And God is wanting to loosen the people from that network of intimidation and fear. God is wanting to loosen the people from that and say, "Look, don't die in the wilderness." Don't end up uh, stuck with the penalties of never being able to come into the rest in your physical life. God wants you to be able to come into the rest. And, and you know, that's part of what this, uh, the body without the spirit is dead, is about. Uh, <clears throat> because when we talk about the rest, uh, it definitely has something to do uh, with a, a deep revelation. And we can think in terms of Lazarus, when Lazarus was mummified and put into a, a cave and, and burial place. And uh, the disciples were saying to Jesus, you know, well, what, what, what about Lazarus? And, and, and he said, he sleepeth. And they said, well, you know, what's the big hurry? It's getting over there then. If he's sleeping, there's nothing wrong with that. And they just kept making a point on it, and they just couldn't, they couldn't figure it out because they didn't have all the facts in their mind. Uh, they weren't, they weren't willing at that time to throw in miracles. They weren't willing at the time to throw in the fact that they had Jesus Christ, the Son of God, walking with them, talking with them, living with them, eating with them. <clears throat> so many times there is a loss of relevance. So many times there is a lost a loss of, of the true statistics of spirituality. God is wanting to show that we cannot, must not uh, forget uh, those important things that God has done throughout history of time and that those things are all still relevant to us. They apply to us because if they don't apply to us, we should quit reading about them. We should quit believing in them, uh, but they do apply to us. And and therefore, you know, we have to apply those things in our spirit. And and when we apply those things in our spirit, you know, it's going to apply in that spiritual way that Jesus was was talking about, you know. And uh, when uh, they just kept pestering him <coughs> and said, so, you know, and, you know, but 
we we hear that we hear that um, that Lazarus is dead. So he finally says, "Okay, you know, uh, let me talk in your language uh, according to how you're viewing it, uh, just to satisfy the puzzle in your mind for your sake of understanding it based on limits. Uh, Lazarus is dead based on on the limits of your mind." But <clears throat> uh, Jesus wasn't double-minded. So when he said Lazarus sleepeth, he knew exactly of the interlude that he was talking about. And uh, as as we begin to see that, then then that Lazarus was in a certain place of rest. There was a rest. His spirit was in a rest. He was not dead. Uh, he was not a, a transcendent. Uh, he was in an in an interlude of hold. He was in a place of rest, and. Uh, and Jesus just simply stood out in front of the, the tomb and said, Lazarus, get on out of there. Come forth. And, and that's exactly what uh, Lazarus did, uh, struggling through his mummification uh, uh, appearance. Uh, he wasn't mummified in the sense of uh, like, uh, you know, the uh, ferals were where the brains were taken out and the intestines, uh, just uh, in the looks of some clothing that they put on him uh, along the lines of death clothing. <clears throat> he came out, and uh, that word spread all over. And people thought, wow, it's incredible. This man was dead. Now he's alive. You know, uh, he was in the, he, there was a rest. He, he was in a rest. And uh, uh, this thing of the rest for the spirit, uh, it, it can be extremely important to people. You know, coming into that place in God, uh, uh, you know, we don't need to put this whole thing upon Jesus uh, because Jesus, many, many times when he was praying for people to be healed, he would say, uh, you know, your faith has made you whole. Great faith that you have. Your faith has made you whole. And I, I believe that that was the case with uh, Lazarus, that his faith uh, had had uh, protected him. Uh, that he he was destined for for the day of that miracle to happen and be a witness to people uh, you know in in Judea and and to people uh, around the world in the Word of God in the Bible, and uh, so you know he had entered into to the rest of a rest which was a an absolute space uh, for where his destiny was to to be uh, deployed from, and uh, it it was. It was absolutely beautiful. He had, he had come in his mind to that place in Jesus where Jesus says, you know, if you're heavy laden, come to me. You know, my yoke is easy. Put it on me. And uh, and that's such a beautiful, beautiful song. That was the song that initiated that old-time favorite hymn, uh, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. So, uh, you know, uh, the, um, the Bible talks about the Spirit of the Lord resting upon uh, you know, a person, uh, it, it it is just, you know, absolutely uh, an important word of revelation uh, for us to understand uh, uh, how that uh, even in, uh, you know, uh, in the Bible, in Isaiah 66, 1, it talks about the house of the Lord, the place of rest. Uh, that is all part of our understanding the Spirit. There, because without getting into that rest, we, we don't reach that point where we can really uh, open up the quickening of the spirit because there's so much turmoil and static going on with the human body that it interferes with every 
communion with every uh, thing that is trying to be done with your own spirit, even interrupting the search uh, with of the candle of the Lord in your spirit. And uh, and so there has to be, uh, you know, a, a place a zero that uh, uh, there are moments of in which uh, this, the uh, spirit within you can have that time of communion. So the thing of the spirit is really, really, really important. Even in Luke 20, uh, 11, 24, when the demons, the spirit of the demons uh, were left the body, uh, they found going out of the body that there was just dry places. And one of the things that it says, and there was no rest. They ha they could not find a place of rest, and they were just in dry places without rest. So we see that although the demons were just spirits, the spirit needs rest. And there is something much, much deeper than uh, about rest than going and sitting on a chair or a bench or, or going to sleep in a bed. It is a much deeper thing about an absolute place of, of in space within your mind, within your spirit, with, within your uh, daily uh, uh, operations of life. It, it has uh, really, really seasons uh, that, re that belong to God. Blessed be the name of God. <clears throat> In Acts 2.26, he talks about my spirit rest in hope. Uh, God wants your spirit to be at rest. Uh, many times it is the spirit when people feel that, that deep uh, sinking feeling, that deep thing that happens inside a person's deep part of the solar plexus. And it's that deep sinking feeling and people think, oh, something awful is about to happen something awful i just oh i just feel this terrible sinking feeling deep within me uh, sometimes you know that's the spirit that is uh it's miserable it's not at rest it doesn't have peace because it can see things that your physical body cannot see you know and and uh it's so important you know uh, uh to have that place second corinthians two thirteen talks about no rest in my spirit so the message God is speaking here today is about, is about the rest. And um, uh, in Second um, uh, Corinthians 12 and 9, it talks about the power of Christ may rest upon me. Now, turn with me, if you would, uh, to the book of Hebrews. I want to read in the book of Hebrews about this thing about rest. Uh, this is just such an important, important uh, revelation that we're going to get in here to tonight that... Uh, <clears throat> you want to really have your thoughts trained on this and uh, do not miss, you know, uh, passing through that holy aperture that God is going to open in your mind so that you can, uh, uh, you know, get across into your intellectual perceptions, uh, you know, this message that, that God is revealing to you and why he is revealing to you such a message. Okay, Hebrews chapter 3, we'll start with verse 11 through 18. So I swear in my wrath they shall not enter into my rest. When we're talking about the rest, ladies and gentlemen, we're not talking about your rest, although it does incorporate that. If you will look at the scripture I just read, they shall not enter into my rest. We're talking about entering into the rest of God, what that means. Uh, 
when you enter into the rest of God, it is not artificial. It is not limited. It is not something that is a symptomatic. It is not imaginative. It is an absolute space in God that you can enter into and you can be walking on the crystal sea in the total peace and security of the Holy Spirit. Take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the uh, deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence, if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. When it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke, howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses, but with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness, and whom swear that he should not enter, that they should not enter into his rest, but only to them that believed? They couldn't enter into his rest, these that fell, because they believed not. So we know that the Word of God is quick and powerful. And we know that there is a message that God wants to speak. And that me message, you know, beyond a question of a shadow of a doubt, has relevance. Let's look at um, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1. Let us therefore fear, lest promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. Paul is saying it would be a fearful thing to come short of the rest that we can have in, in God, of, of the rest that is, is a promise from God. We have a promise of being able to enter into his rest. We have to talk about this thing. We're not just talking about the um, the common interpretation of Sabbath. We're talking about Sabbath being interpreted in an incredibly deep, relevant way uh, that is far, far beyond the traditional church. Blessed be the name of God. Chapter 4, verse 2. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into the rest. As he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundations of the world. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, 
And God did rest the seventh day from his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter in, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief, unbelief, again he limiteth, limited a certain day, saying to David, Today, after so long a time, as it is said, Today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Wow. Verse 11 of verse 10. No, I'm sorry, verse 9. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. This is in Paul's day. This is after the ascension. This is after the day of Pentecost. This is far advanced into many churches being up and and operating and uh, receiving letters from Paul. And he says, at that time, even with all of the incredible uh, miracles and, and, and spiritual oracles that had been given, that there remained, uh, you know, a, a, a rest to the people of God that they had not achieved, did not achieve that rest. For he that has entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works as God did from his. So there is a place of zero, zero gravity, in which your physical operations have to enter into that moment of a rest so that there is that break in which you can have spirit-to-spirit operations. And so this resting, <laughs> you know, what is the spirit without the body? Well, this is an exactly perfect case. It's not that the body is destroyed. It's not that the body ceases to be. But it's that the body goes into this silence, this white silence. And as it goes into that white silence, it allows the spirit then that's within the body to have communion with the Holy Spirit and to have com- and to have spirit to spirit uh refreshing even to uh, to to other uh, uh christian uh, uh friends and people so it is absolutely an answer to what is the spirit without the body well the spirit when the body is not not over exercising itself when it does as uh when it does as the scripture says, you know, uh, then it can really function. You know, verse 10, it says, For he that hath entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works, as God did from his. That that work is settled down. Blessed be the name of God. Wow. Okay. Now, <clears throat> got to move on. Blessed be the name of God. First Peter 4, 14, in his prayer, he says, The Spirit, small case, of glory and of God rest upon you. That is my prayer today for you, ladies and gentlemen, that the Spirit of God will rest upon you. Now, I want to give you additional information 
Um, I have not uh, taught this subject on any of the radio broadcasts, and um, I have very limited uh, literature on this, um, but it is um, it's going to take you on a journey. And uh, what it's really, you know, talking about is is this revelation about the 7,000 years, which has been promised to God's people. Because in the, the Psalms 105, uh, it says that God made a covenant with Abraham for a thousand generations. And uh, we can prove unequivocally that the life generation is 70 to 80 uh, years. And so if you have a, a thousand times 70, 70 times a thousand, you have 70,000 generations. And that's how long the covenant lasts. And and what is the purpose of that covenant? Well, it's it's all a part of the revelation of abiding in the rest. Now, when people have a knowledge of the reality of that covenant, and they know how that the time is going to go on, uh, all of this fear that is being taught out there today uh, about end of the world stuff, and 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 about uh, misguided uh, prophecies that are basically, technically, just false prophecies that are being given to people. And there are a lot of them out there. There's just all kinds of prophecies about when, when the rapture is going to happen, about all these events that are going to, going to take place, uh, uh, some uh, this year yet, and some uh, by the end of uh, 2012. And, and every one of those that I have read, there's not one of them that's going to happen. They're all false. And there's a pile of them, and perhaps one of these days I'll just, uh, you know, on this broadcast, list them off and tell you by the Word of God that those are not going to happen and why they're not going to happen. And and, and Paul was emphatic. He says, you know, don't be soon, uh, uh, you know, um, fearful in mind uh, or, or afraid, made afraid uh, by word from anyone. Or even if an angel is said, you know, there there is there are certain truths uh, that are abiding are that are abiding truths, and uh, if they're presented anything or any way different, then they're not part of the divine connection, not part of the linking, and so that's that's what we want to get into today, to show you how that this revelation about what is going to happen. Now, does that mean there's not going to be earthquakes? Does that mean there's not going to uh, be some solar flares? Does that mean that there may not be any wars? Of course it doesn't mean that. This, this is, is uh, Tartarou here. And this is a planet of uh, grief and a planet of war. And uh, it's only by uh, uh, total extreme divine unction uh, that a person is able to make their way through the valley of the shadow of death. And it is possible just like they made their way through the Red Sea, that you can make your way through the valley of the shadow of death. And God is with you, and his angels are encamped around about you. But that doesn't mean that there that there is nothing happening out there that has danger and that has implication and that has terror. Uh, it, it is out there because, you know, we're living in a, in a, an, on a planet that is going to continue having earthquakes, volcanoes, it's going to continue having certain debris from uh, outer space. There can be asteroids, uh, meteorites, uh, hail, all kinds of things that can happen. 
Uh, does that mean that uh, we've missed the rapture? No, it doesn't mean that. Does that mean that um, that uh, uh, you know it's it's a punishment for God uh, from God to to humans? Not necessarily. You know, it it might be more of a punishment. Uh, you know, like if you've got people that are in Sodom and Gomorrah. And they're so caught up with the headlines of of lust and and the things they're doing that they cannot even uh, uh, receive divine comprehension of there being any forecast of destruction that's coming from nature. And and uh, so if if Sodom and Gomorrah had all, uh, the people of Sodom and Gomorrah had all moved out on that day when when uh, you know that that great volley uh, of uh, of um, you know, uh, sulfur salts uh, came down upon them, uh, those people would have lived, you know, and uh, and they could have then went and built uh, uh, homes in another area. Uh, but they didn't have that, that unction. They didn't have that notice. And there was only one man who almost succeeded in delivering them, but he was 10 people short from being able to do that. 10 people out of like over a million people Ten people short that he could not find even ten people that believed, you know, uh, and had faith in God. So it was just absolutely pitiful. Things haven't changed in that regard. It's the same way. You know, there's there's going to be some terrible disasters. Uh, there there are cities that are built on fault lines. Uh, you know, those faults people have known for, known for years and years that one day you know the cycle's going to come and those faults are going to happen and it's not going it's it's impetition and it it it's not necessarily because it's god wanting to punish people it's uh, uh more along the lines because uh people you know do not have the leadings from god to to lead them when they need to be led okay so now, here we go. Turn turn with me to the book of Leviticus. Okay. This is an incredible, powerful revelation. And um, we're going to we're going to see some awesome things here. Um, God is dealing through the revelation through in the 26th chapter of uh, Leviticus. And uh, in um, verse 8, he's telling uh, uh, through uh, the Holy Spirit by Moses that if the people will, you know, follow the statutes and keep the commandments and do the things that God is calling them to do, that five of them will be able to chase a hundred and a hundred of them will put 10,000 to flight. Now, what I want to get the point into your brain. I want you to get the point into your brain that when God is revealing these things in ratios and, and in special kinds of formulas, which are mathematically involved, that many times that these numbers reach huge count, counts, like... A hundred people putting 10,000 people to flight. Just a hundred people putting 10,000 people to flight. Think how many hundreds they're dividing in that legion. 
and how that you can take a small number and that small number can be multiplied. Now there is involved there a certain exponential uh, relative aspect, but not in the strictest sense of how the uh, the exponents of that kind of math goes. So we're more uh, going to be talking about uh, just accumulating uh, multiplication rather than the exponential type of math. Uh, but it does end up having an exponential effect. So in the sense of, of, of the uh, increase of numbers. So now let's move over here uh, in the same chapter. We're in Leviticus 26, and, um, and, and he says, uh, if you will not, this is verse 18, if you will not uh, yet hearken, uh, will not yet for all of these things hearken unto me, then I will punish you seven times more for your sins. Now, what is this punishment really about? Well, you've got to go backwards, um, and, and we can find this all through the Bible, but let's go backwards to Leviticus 25, and let's just look at the subject and read about the subject a little bit, okay? And here in the 25th chapter, uh, there is a, uh, <clears throat> a revelation be being given uh, about the land. And it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses in Mount Sinai, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When you come into the land which I gave you, or I give you, then shall the land keep a Sabbath unto the Lord. Six years uh, you will sow the field, and six years thou shalt uh, prune thy vineyard and gather in the fruit. But in the seventh year shall be a Sabbath of rest unto the land. Now, you know, this is important because, you know, the Bible talks about uh, animals and even humans being made out of the dust of the land. And and we're talking about a Sabbath rest here. And so in a certain sense, land uh, almost can represent, you know, what humans are uh, with their human bodies made out of out of the soil of the earth. And uh, uh, it's, it's, there's a symbolism there that is more than just... Uh, uh, you know, uh, a synonym more than just, uh, uh, you know, uh, a, a synchronic uh, uh, aspect. Okay. Um, <clears throat> but in the seventh year shall be a Sabbath of rest unto the land. A Sabbath for the Lord, thou shalt neither sow the field nor prune the vineyard. That which groweth of its own accord of thy harvest thou shalt not reap. Neither gather the grapes of thy vine undressed, for it is a year of the rest unto the land. And the Sabbath of the land shall be uh, meat for you, for thee and for the servant and for thy maid and for thy hired servant and for thy, thy stranger uh, that sojourneth with thee and thy cattle and for the beast that are in the land shall all the increases thereof be meet. And thou shalt number seven Sabbaths, seven Sabbaths of years unto thee, seven times seven years, seven times seven years. And the space of the seven Sabbaths of years shall be unto you 
49 years. So the seven uh, uh, Sabbath, uh, Sabbaths of years equal 49 years. And then it says in verse 10, you shall hollow the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout all the land and to the inhabitants thereof. It shall be a jubilee. Now, when you read in Acts chapter 2 about, you know, the the Pentecost, you know, the the day of Pentecost was at hand, uh, we're talking, you know, like a jubilee there. And the word Pentecost means half, just like we're talking 50 years, which is half of 100. And and so let's go on, verse 11. A jubilee shall that, uh, shall that uh, 50th year be unto you. You shall not sow, neither reap that which groweth of itself. So neither in that 49th year, <clears throat> Sabbath, nor in the 50th year, uh, as it explains here, are you to... To treat it any any way different than a Sabbath, for for it is the jubilee, and it shall be holy unto you, and you shall eat the increase thereof out of the field. In the year of this jubilee, you shall return every man unto his possessions, and and if thou sell aught unto thy neighbor or buyest aught of thy neighbor's hand, you shall not oppress one another. According to the number of the years after the jubilee, thou shalt buy of thy, of thy neighbor, and according unto the number of the years of the fruits, he shall sell unto thee. And according to the multitude of years, <clears throat> I really like that term, the way he said it, according to the multitude <laughs> of years, Thou shalt increase the price thereof, and according to the fewness of the years, thou shalt diminish the price thereof. For according to the number of the years of the fruits doth he sell unto thee. And uh, anyway, uh, <clears throat> uh, let's just to save a little time here. Uh, verse 21. Then I will command my blessing upon you, and in the sixth year it shall bring forth fruit for three years. So the year before the... Um, the the Sabbath, which is the forty ninth year, the Jubilee Sabbath, and the Ju and the year before the Jubilee fiftieth year, there's going to be enough growing of the of of the of the plants and of the food that it's going to bring forth three times what it normally does in that year, which is then going to give you all this extra food to take you through those two years and still have food left over enough for a year to allow you to plant and wait for the harvest to supplement you. And that's what the three years are for. One year for the 49th year, one year for the 50th year, and then the 51st year, uh, that year that you're planting again, for the time it takes for the harvest to come up, food to be available, you have another year's food. You're going to have three years of food available. And, 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 you know, God wanted to show this miracle because, you know, there was a revelation there uh, in that 30, 60, 100-fold uh, doing of God. Uh, it, it, it was like a resurrection uh, thing that God was showing. And God wanted to be able to do that for his people. 
Well, when people didn't keep the the, the, the Sabbath of the land, uh, they fouled up that possibility because they they set everything into a different direction. And so those people then were not able to come into the rest of the Lord. Uh, the rest of the Lord would have provided them to not have to do any work for two years, except just to have that time of, of having a jubilee, a spiritual jubilee about God. And, and the food would have been provided uh, on the on the the year before the the Sabbath and the Jubilee, and you'd been three years supply of food for all the people, and they'd have that opportunity to really uh, have a growth uh, experience in God, and so that was lost because people would not obey the word of the Lord; they would not keep the Sabbath. So we find that when uh, people went into uh, Babylon, that one of the reasons that they had to, to spend 70 years in Babylon under the Babylonians, as it speaks in Ezekiel and, and Daniel, was because they did not keep the land Sabbath. And because they did not keep the land Sabbath, they became prisoners in a foreign land. Uh, they had terrible uh, things happened to their families. Um, it, it, it was all because they didn't have the vision. And the Bible says without a vision you perish. They didn't have the vision to understand <clears throat> this revelation of God, this revelation of God that he had given about these numbers. They're just absolutely incredible thing. Okay, now as we, we go back over here to... Um, uh, Leviticus 26 and verse 18 it says if you will not yet for all this hearken unto me then I will punish you seven times more for your sin so we see in all the examples that are given uh, various uh, interesting revelations uh, don't lose your place in Leviticus but turn with me to Numbers because I'm going to come right back to Leviticus, so don't lose your place. Turn to me to Numbers uh, chapter 14. And let me read something here to give you an idea of how this is done by God. How God has done this. Okay? And th this is talking about the people that, that did not obey the laws of God. They, they rebelled against God uh, in the wilderness uh, because they didn't you know, believe, have the faith in God to to uh, defeat the enemy. And here's a case of what was of how it was done and the ratio of how it was done numerically speaking. Uh, so we're talking Numbers 14, and we're talking verse 33. And your children shall wander in the wilderness 40 years and bear your whoredoms until your carcasses be wasted in the wilderness after the number of the days in which you searched the land, even forty days, each day for a year, shall you bear your iniquities, even forty years, and you shall know my breach of promise. Now this breach of promise was of a different nature, but it, you know, it doesn't matter. It gets the point and it shows how God reconciles these kind of things using number equations. So, there was 40 days that they searched in the wilderness, 
But out of those 40 days, at the conclusion they came up with, except for Caleb and Joshua, was that they were just like grasshoppers in the sight of those giants. And that would be the most foolish thing to ever think of doing. Now, some of those people, after they were told what a, what a horrible thing they had done and what their punishment would be, decided, well, okay, yeah, we made a mistake. We want to go to war against them. And Moses said, no, don't go. You'll be defeated. But they wouldn't listen. So they decided to go ahead and go to war against these giants anyway after the fact. And they went to war against them, and they were just made laughing hyenas, uh, uh, you know, uh, because they, 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 they were killed, and, and they just had to flee for their lives. Now, following the instructions of God and, and, and following the will of God and, and, uh, and, and knowing what God is speaking and remembering what God has done in the past and being able to apply it and not get off uh, uh, the, the, the record uh, of what the grace of, of Jesus Christ is about and the grace of, of the living uh, uh, God is about is absolutely essential uh, for being able to walk through the valley of the shadow of death and not have any arrows pierce your body. So here we see where days were turned into years. Forty days became forty years. Wow. Now back over to Leviticus. Now we've got in the 26th chapter of Leviticus, the 18th verse, And if you shall not yet for all this hearken unto me, then I will punish you seven times more for your sin. Seven times what? Seven times 50, which 50 years, because that is the, the jubilee. So there's going to be seven times 50 that's, that, that they are going to be uh, uh, punished for. Now, now uh, you have to understand, this long term that I'm going to come up with here, means that it's going, to, it's going to spread forward into uh, future generations. It's going to spread forward into people during a long span of re-ingeneration so that to fulfill the word that there will not be anybody, not anybody, not any person who has not had a time and a chance to be redeemed, to be saved, to be reconciled, as it says in the book of Ecclesiastes. Okay, now... That's just one time. So one time, we got seven times 350. Because seven times 50 gives us 350. Okay, then we go down to verse 21. And if you walk contrary unto me, now this means if you continue to walk contrary after you've had this, this penalty of the 350 years, I will bring seven times more plagues upon you according to your sins. Now we got seven times more going on top of that. We're going seven times 350. Why? Because the multiplication factor stays the same, which is number seven. So the factor seven is a multiplication factor. It stays the same. But the product amount, according to each last resultant, like the first example, was seven times 50, becoming 350. And so the, the product amount, the resultant, was 350. So now the next time we're going to multiply seven times 350. 
according to the last resultant increase, as multiplied by the factor 7, each as multiplied by the factor 7, um, uh, additionally multiplying events. All right, let's go on. Now let's move down to verse 24. Then will I also walk contrary unto you. Now, now I'm not reading every single verse here because we, we're not going to get through this if I do. But obviously, the, the sin has continued and is compounded. And so he says, and this is, this is, this is now, remember, we had in verse 15, uh, pardon me, in verse 18, we had the first seven times. In verse 21, we had the second seven times punishment. And in verse 24, we have the third seven times punishment for your sins. So now we, we multiply the next uh, uh, resultant, the next number. So the first time we had 350, the second time we had 2,450. By the time we put this third punishment of seven times on, We've got 17,150. And it doesn't matter if you call it days because days become equivalent for representing for years under the punishment of things. Now let's, let's look at verse 28. And this is number four. So if their sin continues, if it keeps going on, it's number four. Then I will walk contrary unto you also in fury. In fury. And, and I, even I, will chastise you seven times for your sins. Now we have the fourth time. So now we have seven times 17,150 which gives us 60,025. When you add up all of these numbers, 350, 2450, 17,150, 60,025, it comes to 79,975 years. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Bible. This is the Word of God. And like I was singing, the Word of God is so wonderful. It is just absolutely wonderful. And we're going to show you how this is relevant. Now, we want, to, we want, you, we want you to see some of these things in, in the most beautiful and unusual ways that the, that the Bible has this. But we're, we're going to come back to Leviticus. I'm not done. But let's just, let's just take a, a move over here real fast into the New Testament. Let's go to Matthew um, chapter 15. So Matthew, the book of Matthew, that's the first book of the gospel in Matthew, okay, chapter 15. And I want you to see this here with your own eyes as you look upon it in the Bible. I want you to hear it with your own ears because you'll be, your, your, your eyes and ears are going to be open today. Praise the name of God. Okay, Matthew 15. Here we go. All right. Now, Here's what it says. Matthew 15, uh, 34. And Jesus said unto them, How many loaves have you? 
And they said, Seven, and a few fishes. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves and the fishes, and gave thanks, and brake them, and gave to his disciples and disciples to the multitude. And they did all eat, and were filled, and they took up the broken meat that were left, seven baskets full. And they that did eat were four thousand men, besides women and children. So if you take the average of what their average to be in those days in families, then you're, you're going to end up with something like 4,000 men that it said it was. And you're going to have about 3,000 women and children. Now, you're going to see how this connection all goes to place. Because remember here in this scripture I read, there was seven loaves. So for every loaf, there was 1,000 people that was fed. One loaf fed a 1,000 people. You multiply that seven times, you've got 7,000 people being fed by the time you count the children and the mothers. Now, let's just look at this a little deeper. Okay? <clears throat> Let's look at, um, turn with me if you would, to um, Matthew 16.10. Let's start with verse 9. Do you not yet understand, neither remember the five loaves of the 5,000, and how many baskets you took up? Now, this is a case of talking about Another time, when they, they took five loaves and they fed 5,000 people. And then there was the, re the residue, or the fragments, we should call it, of the meat, of the fishes, of the fish. And uh, so now we have here uh, a matching uh, uh, point, of a forensic point, really, that the 5,000 loaves were responded in their duplication and their multiplication to making five to feeding five thousand people. So five loaves fed five thousand people. Five loaves fed five thousand people. So in the other case, you have the four thousand men plus the three thousand women and children, and that's seven thousand persons. There were seven loaves, and the seven loads loaves filled and fed those. 7,000. Now, what I'm just trying to point out to you that is, is all within the aspect of revelation of God and the miracles of God and the oracles of God to take single entity or single, pardon me, single entry terms that are just like a small digital number, like a one, and then have seven of them and then multiply that just with a very simple low number and end up with thousands and thousands and thousands because when you keep repeating it, you, keep, you are compounding it. And the next thing you know, like in this, this uh, case that I showed you, you end up with close to 80,000 
80,000 years, close to 80,000 years. It's no makeup thing. It's no imaginative thing. When we're talking about these 70,000 years, what a difference it'll make to people when they get off this thing where, uh, where they're on this hi hiatus in which every, every 10 uh, minutes uh, they're expecting uh, either the end of the world or the rapture. You know, the Bible says clearly that the Lord will come as a thief in the night only to those people that are not ready. But the Bible says clearly, it's, and it's, it's in the, the scriptures, that the Lord will not come as a thief in, to, in the night to those people who are believers. Those people are really in the, the quickening uh, spirit. God's not coming as, as a thief and a knife to them. So these people that are out there all mixed up with this fear because they're into that syndrome of, of, of fear about thief in the night coming. When you say Lord's coming as a thief in the night, you know, that's making him as a thief. But the other people are not, not receiving Christ as a thief in the night because they have an understanding. I'm not saying that they know the minute and the, and the exact hour, but they have a very good understanding of the toll of time and when these various events are going to happen. Praise the name of God. Blessed be the name of God. Okay. Now, let's go back. Um, let's go back to, to Leviticus. We see that this is talking about the Sabbath. We just got through reading verse 28 of chapter 26, Leviticus about the fourth chastisement of seven times seven accumulated on top of the three other uh, um, chastisements and punishments. And then we see in the context, just down a few verses, the resolution. Then shall the land enjoy her Sabbaths as long as it lieth desolate, and you shall be in your enemy's land even then shall the land rest and enjoy her Sabbaths. As long as it lieth desolate, it shall rest, because it did not rest in your Sabbaths when you dwelt upon it. These are incredible insights. Let's go over this again to make sure that you've got it. We got one, two, three, four. We got the first punishment, seven times seven, the second punishment, seven times seven, the third punishment, seven times seven, the fourth punishment, seven times seven. I gave you the scriptures. The first time we accumulate 350 years, the second time we accumulate uh, by by an, an, an increase of multiplication base, uh, uh, 2,450, we go, we, the, the next time it's 17,150, 17, the last time it's 60,025, uh, and by the time we add those all up, we get 79,975, 
79,000, almost 880, pardon me, almost 80,000. Okay. So now how does this all tie in to uh, other things? Well, um, for instance, in Matthew 13, 8 through 23, and uh, Matthew 19, 27 also ties into it, uh, it talks about the 30, 60, 100-fold. And we call those three different levels. But there's actually four levels, at least four levels. And we have to count the first level, which is the ground level. So we have the ground level, and then we have the 30-fold level, then we have the 60-fold level, then we have the 100-fold level. So even in the revelation of the, of the, of the, of the you know, of the, of the 100-fold, we have four different levels, which tie into these four different levels that were made. And we see it is the language of the Bible, even when God is talking about multiplying things for spirituality, he gives the example, I think it's in the book of, of Isaiah, in which the light of the sun will become sevenfold, sevenfold. And, uh, and the moon will become sevenfold. Well, someone will say, <clears throat> now that's literal. That's literally going to happen. Really now. I didn't know you were a scientist and such a mathematician and a chemist and so many things like that. Because if the sun increased its light, it would also increase its <laughs> heat sevenfold, the earth would not be able to be a living planet. It would be burned crisp even from the heat of the moon, the moon would just be on fire. So it's obviously talking in that sevenfold about a spiritual experience. It's just like the scripture in Revelations that talks about this great star falling down upon the earth. No great star can fall down upon a speck of dust, which is what the earth is. So it's obviously talking about something different. And when you read it carefully, you find it's actually talking about a star as representing uh, an entity. In one case, it's talking about actually Satan coming down, falling down to earth, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, it's, it's represented as a star. So we have to be sure that we're interpreting these scriptures correctly, because if we don't, we're headed for nothing but trouble. Absolute trouble. No question about it. Now, there's all kinds of incongruities, confusions that people get into into the Daniel thing. Like Daniel 7.25 and Daniel 12.7, Revelations 12.14. We're going to get into those scriptures. But there are these scriptures in which it talks about 1,290 days and we find this in the 12th chapter, I think it is, of Daniel. Let's turn over there real fast. Daniel 12. Just keep your, your mind open. Don't, don't uh, allow yourself to think this is too difficult for you. 
because it isn't. You're going to be able to handle it. You're going to be able to do it. So just keep your faith and just believe. So what we're what we're we're going to uh, understand um, is that these things were not simple for even David, even Daniel to understand, and he was a, a scientist of his time, and he was, uh, as he said in one scripture, very learned. He had studied these things uh, through the books, and uh, he admits in here. Uh, that these things that he is being told that he doesn't understand. He, he says, I, I, don't, I just don't understand this. And this is chapter 12 of Daniel. And it's, uh, at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince, which standeth for the children of the people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was, at a, at, you know, since there's been a nation. And then um, it gives these um, these various times you know and uh, in the in verse 8 uh, it says um, this is Daniel speaking and I heard but I understood not then said I oh my lord what shall the end of these things be okay now you know the 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 um, the first re revelation uh, got into this thing about the 1290 days and I, I just don't have the the time that's going to be left me here to to go into all of the uh, scripture to scripture and fact to fact but I, I can you know say enough things to to get you up the road and and so there's there's 1290 days that's involved in in what people are thinking is connected to various timing that has to do with bringing the end of the world and the the conclusion the conclusion of the time of the Gentiles and all kinds of ideas they come up with. And in um, uh, chapter 12, uh, verse 11, as the angel is answering Daniel, and from the time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away and the, abomin and the abomination that maketh desolate set up, there shall be a thousand two hundred and ninety days. Okay? And uh, so, so we have a thousand two hundred and ninety days. Um, we go on to the next verse. Blessed is he that waiteth, and cometh to the thousand three hundred and five and thirty days. So there we have both the figures: twelve ninety days and uh, one thousand two hundred ninety days, one thousand three hundred and thirty five days. That is Daniel twelve verses eleven through 13. Now, what do these mean? Well, you know, we're going to be tying these into the times, times, and a half times. Now, let's look here first at the scripture that mentions this. And we're right in the same chapter, chapter 12, verse 7. Skipping down toward the bottom, that it shall be for a time, times and a half. Now, most people in the religious world interpret that as three and a half years. 
And that is so sad because that is so absolutely incorrect. First, let's look at this statement here. We're in chapter 12, verse 7. And let's read this. Time. So we put down the word time. Okay, that's time one time. And then it says times. So we put down the word times. And then we put equals time plus time. Now we have three times. We have time, times, times. And now we also have a half time and a half time. Okay? Now, I'm going to need to explain something to you on this thing that I did in Leviticus so that you will not think that I just made some incredible mistake. Um, when, I, when you do this math of the Jubilees, seven times 50 is 350. Seven times uh, 350 is 2,450. Seven times 2,450 is 17,150. When you multiply 7 times 17, 150, you actually get 120. But I only put down 60 because I am using half times on the last one. Because this whole thing of these four sevens of, of punishment is tied into the time, 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 and half time. So the last figure then has to be cut in half. And when you cut the last figure in half, after you have multiplied it by seven, you get 60,000 instead of 120-some thousand. And that's how I come up with that number, which is a correct number. And it all is relevant to the times, time, and a half times. Okay? Now, understanding that, and coming back to this Daniel 12 chapter, where we have in this uh, last few verses... From 11 through 13, we have the 1,290 days. We have the 1,335 days. Um, if, we multi if we subtract the 1,290 days from the 1,335 days, we end up with 45 days. But remember that in most of the cases, when we're talking days, we're really meaning years. And we are not talking literal days. We are talking days that actually are symbolic of years. And so then when we end up with that time, uh, what, what we are ending up with, uh, you know, when we, we take a certain average, uh, we, we are, uh, in, 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 you know, interestingly adding up with uh, a case in which if you uh, divide what would be the average uh, number of, um, of days in a year that's a, that was ancient Jewish, it's a very complicated thing to do because they they have a progressive calendar and and you know if you take uh, uh, three hundred and fifty five days as an average uh, that's only an average and that that does not include the math that you need to do when you're figuring uh, when these new years start on the new moon uh, uh, you know uh, you know usually if we let's say we were taking 354 days i believe that's the math i used and then you divide that 
uh, into these figures, 1290 and the 1335. Uh, it it is really what it is really a connection of time to the times times and half times. And uh, if you really want to get technical, and uh, I, I cannot do that in this short amount of space I have on the uh, radio, but Lord willing, in the future, I will do a uh, uh, some kind of a, a blog or some kind of a, uh, a writing in which I'll get into the technical aspects. Because you have to understand um, the, uh, the hour of a new moon is sub- subdivided into 1,080 parts. So when you're figuring the time element that has to do with the the year, and you're figuring it based on the the setting of, of the new moon, you have to use those uh, 1,080 parts and which which uh, how many of those are relevant uh, to adding to the um, uh, the math or the or the the dating of the calendar and the event. And so, believe me, it is not just a simple Simon thing, and we don't have time to get into that today. But but what I'm trying to show you is all these various kinds of things that they have, like the 1290 and the and the 1335, uh, are are relevant. Uh, and and I want to get into really showing you what that relevance is. Uh, but uh, you know, we're not going to have. Uh, time here today, and I, I have quite a few things yet to say. So uh, when we when we look, let's say, let's go to we're in Daniel. Let's go to Daniel seven twenty five. Okay, go to Daniel seven twenty five. Okay, all right. And um, as we look at Daniel seven twenty five, uh, it says, "And he shall speak great words against the Most High, shall wear out the saints." And shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change times and laws, and they shall be given unto the unto his hands until a time and times and the dividing of a time, cutting it in half. One of the times is cut in half. Okay, now let's let's uh, go to. Um, um, I read you the one already in Daniel twelve seven. So let's go to uh, the book of Revelations twelve fourteen. Revelations twelve fourteen. Now in Revelations uh, twelve fourteen, here's what it says: And unto the woman were given two great wings, of an eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place where she is nourished for a time, time and a half times. From the face of the dragon. Now, isn't it interesting that the people that didn't believe had to go into the wilderness? Isn't it interesting that the woman who represents the fallen Ophanims that fell to earth with Lucifer, that they had to go into the wilderness? And by going into the wilderness, they are caught up into this protective thing called the times, time, and half times, which is four entities of of of, of factual uh, application, factor application. So now let's go going back to um, to um, the book of Daniel, and uh, let's let's look look at this because when we start getting to the seventy weeks, 
this is a is a takeoff actually of seventy years. Why do they say seventy weeks? Because every a week is 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 seven days and it's a Sabbath, and so it it factors it down to break down the the Sabbath incorporated into the seventy years. And so here's what it says. And this is this is Daniel, chapter nine, verse twenty-four. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people, and upon the holy city, to finish transgression. And to make an end of sin. Does that mean what it's saying? Well, it sure does. And to make reconciliation for iniquity. And to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and the prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Now that includes the revelation of the 70 weeks, which is all part of this four different punishment aspects, which includes all these different um, levels of revelation, which includes... All these different episodes that refer to uh, these uh, points of disobedience and the strivings that people are involved in and have to overcome. Now, let's just real fast, let's go to the book of Psalms. And let's just reiterate uh, real fast some of these points because this is just absolutely essential. Now, let's just look at, at, uh, at Psalms 90, Okay. And let's just read what the Bible says. It's what the Bible says. Chapter 90, verse 10, Psalms. The days of our years, which means the days of our life. We're not talking here the the kind of a, a, of, of a turnover where we're talking about when, uh, like in 30 years, when people start having a family and they have the next generation. We're talking about life generation years. For all our days are passed away as in wrath. We spin our tales as a, our years as a tale that is told. Verse 10, the days of our years are three score years. A score is 20. So three times 20 is 60 and 10 is 70. And if by reason of strength they be four score years, 80. So we're talking three, we're talking three score years. We're talking 70 years or 80 years. It is, it is, soon cut off, and we fly away. Now, we are told here in the Bible that the, that, that is part of the determination. And we have other scriptures in, the, in, in Daniel that talk about this determination. And that it is that this whole thing that is happening in this long stretch of time is a determination of the plan of God for allowing all the things to happen that are to happen. So someone will say, yeah, but how does that work, you know, because when you add these all together and you take the seven times the Jubilee 50 and get 350, seven times 350 and get 2,450, seven times 2,450 and get 17,150, and then seven times 17,150 get 120 and half it, divide it and get 60 and give it, add it all the the three fifty the twenty four fifty the seventeen one five zero the sixty zero two five and get seventy nine nine seven five, you you have neither exactly seventy thousand or neither exactly eighty thousand. 
That's right. Because in Matthew 24, 21 through 22, Jesus says, the days that, uh, which in this revelation, days mean weeks, weeks mean years. Our days also mean years, as I showed you. The days will be shortened because if they are not shortened, Jesus said, there would be no flesh saved. That's Matthew 24, 21, 27. So now, if I had the time to show you the math, I would show you how that there's 9,975 years shortened off of the 79,975, leaving exactly 70,000 years. Fulfilling the scripture and the word of Jesus Christ when he said those days had to be shortened. Talking about this very, very thing. It's very, very thing. It's the Word of God, ladies and gentlemen. And it has to do with these these averages. It has to do with this probation that has been put upon humankind. And there's 70,000 years, and during that 70,000 years, the fulfillment of Isaiah is going to be able to come into play. And it's scripture. It's scripture. It's scripture in the book of uh, Revelation, where it says that, you know, that when when they were looking for someone to open the book, they they were not just looking on earth, but you know they were looking in in heavens. Wow, and I've read the scripture to you many times, but it's fifty one, Isaiah fifty one sixteen, and I have put my words in thy mouth, and I have covered thee in the shadow of mine hand that I may plant the heavens and lay the foundations of the earth and say unto Zion, Thou art my people. And what's going on right now? The nations are rushing into space. China has just put up a space station. Russia has a space station up. There's all kinds of other nations that are involved in the space uh, station concept. Because they are slowly but surely working toward that day when people are going to uh, go into space and start looking for life on other planets and start reaching out and planting human life on other planets so that the foundations of the earth are spread throughout the skies. Wow. Wow. It's all in the Word of God. It's all real. It ties in to all the things that have happened. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. We see how that there were 70 years of perpetual destruction to, that's going to come to the land of Babylon. That has not happened yet because people, are, when they put it in the term of just 70 years, then it's not fulfilled. That's Jeremiah 25, 11 through 12. And we know that there, there was a moratorium in which in 70 years, which is a factor of the 70,000, Israel was allowed to come back. The, the, the people in Babylon captivity were allowed to come back to, to Israel. Jeremiah 29, 10. And we see how the 70 keeps being replayed again and again. Ezekiel 8, 11 of seven ancient evil men it's the same kind of, of evil people that 
have caused the Word of God to be made none effect. Wow. Wow. So, ladies and gentlemen, I, I just pray to God that this Word will go deeply into you. I pray that it will heal you. And while my wife is playing the organ, I want to pray for you people out there that are fighting sickness and diseases. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Oh Lord, reach out tonight. Reach out and touch these people that are so sick, that are fighting problems in their body. Let your Holy Spirit go out like a stream of light. Let it go out like a river flowing from out of their innermost beings. Let it touch them and heal them. I come against the forces dark. I come against the powers of the Satans. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, I command you to loosen your hold upon these people now in Jesus' name. Flee while you can flee in this happening. The Word of God is so wonderful. The Word of God is so wonderful. It makes you love everybody. The Word of God is wonderful. God bless you. We love you. Bye now.